0: Which is harder, growing a business to a million or taking that business from a million up and past four million? Well, the answer to that question, you might be surprised. And this podcast with Gavin Wall, the business owner next door, is a success story of accountability and getting off the tools, using a community mindset, making important decisions and building a business properly. Remember to hit follow on this podcast and subscribe to the Business and channel on YouTube. Let's do this. Why, 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 why. Gabby, I prepared my first question. You threw me off balance with our preamble discussion beforehand. I just want to confirm on camera, you do look like George Clooney. Thank you. It's on. to know. Have been working on that? I, I really have And I'd I even drink coffee in the same manner as well. You even uh, travel to Italy... Like he does. I'm just past to like come on. How was last week? I did you see house? I didn't. I've seen it previously, though. No. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the topic of discussion for today. So you've, you've built, well, actually, you're building yeah. a business currently. And then you've, you've you you built it to currently 51 people. Yeah. Approximately 4 million turnover. Yeah. What do you attribute that success down to? Um. When you're building any business, it, it is a slow process, yeah, and, and it seems that getting to your first million is the, the hardest part you'll ever do. Why? Why do you think that is? It's, I, I guess it's because when you start in a business, you're nearly always going full of excitement about the business, but without a clue of what you're actually doing. How long did it take you to get to, your first million? First million probably took me nine years or so what would, right, like for your first middle nine years, what, how long did it take to get to the second million? About six months. Wow. Uh, what was the difference? Um, it, like, this was when, in fact, it's probably a bit longer than eight, nine years, because I started working with James Burke in 2000. Uh, that's your business coach? My business coach is James Burke, yeah. So 2019. And in 2019, for four years running, I'd be within 80 quid of the same turnover, but have just shy of a million pounds. So same place, yearly in place, in same place, a Stage core four years, absolutely. And then how were you feeling at that point? And he, funnily enough, when we first got to that stage, we had plenty of profit, so it felt nice. Felt like look, we finally made it in business. We we're able to take a decent salary, um, and things are absolutely rocking along. The only problem is, is what happened was all of our costs went up. So our salary costs went up. How was there a, it's just that yeah, not significant, it's just that over a period of, say, three, four years, um, naturally, mean salaries will increase, people, yeah, they creep up. So, And you might end up with one extra person you haven't accounted for or, um, in our case, our indemnity insurance, and always a big chunk of our, our takings, so that goes up a bit each year as well, so you sort of pay him, at that stage, five or six grand a month on insurance and da-da-da-da-da, and... So even though we was making the same money, by the time we got to 2019, we was now in a negative position. We started to lose money. I had started working with James Burke then. And that's when we then crept over the million mark that year. So 2019 working James. Then we got traction. So by 21, we'd then really grown and, and we'd... We'd had a massive percent increase on our roads. It wasn't just a few hundred percent. We went into the thousands of percent h- increase. You won awards, actually. Yeah, I buried it for the change that you'd done. And it wasn't it wasn't about the growth, it wasn't about the turnover. This was about profit. So our profit was very low. Did your mindset change there? I mean, this this question is, what do you attribute the success down to? Was there a mindset shift? Oh, absolutely. It was... Um, uh, the first mind sh- shift shift was I've got nothing to lose, not a great place to be in, but that was the first mind shift shift. Shift, i hard to say, okay? So, right. you can. I'm not leaving the awards. I'm not very, to about that, that. And but then we went to um, we started really absorbing the lessons so. I'm somebody who really embraced and embedded myself in the learnings being given. What do you mean absorbing the lessons? So if you're sat, you can sit there and passively hear things. You know, it's like elevator music. You're going up and down. You have no idea what song you was playing. But if you really start thinking about what's going on around you, what lessons being given to you, the experience is different. You take the knowledge in different. You actually start making sense of it and then... Dwelling on it, thinking about it, using it, starting to apply the lessons. Um, and a business isn't really, really simple, right? It's just everyone makes it complex. Go on. So I, I always, I, I call it five areas of business. Not, most people say it's three, but I say it is marketing yeah. and sales. Is that one of two? That's one is marketing. I always put marketing place. Yes, I read. Because without the marketing, your sales can't do anything. Yep. Then there's sales. Then there's the operations. Then there's your finance. Yep. So these are these are your first four. And then there's your kaizen. Your your rinse, repeat, make it better, go through it. and, and there's a reason I think of things in fives, because that's how my brain works in memory. I actually remember. Is five your favorite number? Five five is my favorite number because um statistically it's actually the right number for most people to remember things in blocks of five. It's somewhere between three and seven, but five is bang in the middle. So if you chunk all your information together in five, you'll find that you can remember all five easier. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm just sharing this. This is a bit of a blinding flash of the obvious, really. I read a piece of research maybe 10 years ago, and it was a study on super successful people, and they were looking at focus. And that meant in at focus. And they said, on average, they have between three and seven bits of information in the brain at any given time. That's it? Yeah. And the average person, that's between 50 and 70, you were saying. So there you go, five. So five is my magic number. So and that's why, if I'm saying the day out, I, I know that's my optimum because I know that if I'm going to need to do five things, it's manageable, it's doable, I'll do five and try. Give yourself 25 tasks. You're not going to get much attention. Interesting. So the you have a philosophy of one of my five five things to do today. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Thinking right. deeper, reflecting then, music. That's absorbing the lessons, yeah. It's you. So, if you well. absorbing the lessons. I'm sorry to cut across that. Absorbing the lessons is a lengthy process. I'm, I'm sorry, but there's a magic bullet, is this? Someone will tell you something, and it might make perfect sense. But until you absorb and believe it, and then trial it, and then test it, and measure it, and say, oh, that works, that's when it starts to be real, and that's why I started working with James in early 2019. If I hadn't, by August, that firm would have gone bust. You reckoned? Well, I'm absolutely sure now, because now I know, why, what was the, the fundamental change right at the start of that coaching journey? Um, the first big change was saying goals. We had have- that and, like most businesses, I go, oh, we're going to make lots of money. That's the biggest goal they have. But before you start, you and you should be set goals. That's obvious. Yeah. You just weren't. It's not as obvious as you think. That's the trouble with common sense. It's not that common. People don't, they might set goals, but do they stick to them? They might have an idea of a goal. And this is, this is one of the businesses I'm speaking to to acquire at the moment. And they've just plateaued and been plateaued for 20 years. Nothing has changed. And when I've been speaking to them and said, have you considered? They go, we know we need to do that, but we just have the time to do it. And that's where I was. So we were setting goals, but not doing them because I was so busy working in the business. Common sense, just not a common practice. Absolutely. So I started taking them and, and gradually first setting goals. And I was on a two-week coaching program. So every two weeks I was held account. And I still maintain that today. You know, it's biker to me to be held council. So, do you like accountability? I think it's essential. I, um, without it being Emma, as, as someone who's attended Weight Watchers, here's the thing: what happens when you stop going to Weight Watchers? a true story. <laughs> you know, you know what happens? Everything slips up. Look, the beautiful thing is, all of the listeners can relate to you right now. This is a beautiful conversation already. What happens when you sober the whole way? Well, she's, yes, you need that level of accountability. It, exactly. And it's a, it's a reminder, it's a note on the fridge to say, have you done what you need to do today? But when you know that someone as as spermin, and as you know, James Burke is an excellent coach, James doesn't give you a soft ride. If you rock up and say, yeah, I thought about doing it while I was busy. It's not an excuse. Well, yeah. well it is an excuse, but that's all it is. What he wants to know is, you know, what can you do to make sure that you don't miss your goals? And that's what started happening. And our goals were quite small. 2019, we was like, right. we want to get to 25 incoming files a week. You know, that was that Navidad Obama. It's 25 new matters a week. I mean, we did 107 incoming last week. Um, and that's because we're holding our files. St- and it was like, um, we'll get to this in about And just, just for the record, yeah, just tell the, uh, uh, the listeners what your business is. So it's it's a law firm that does primarily conveyancing so property transactions, and we've been them in homes. So yeah. So Nevada was 27th. twenty seven, twenty twenty five, twenty five was the Nevada, uh, and you did a hundred and seven last week, and that's keeping some back. Oh, that's yeah. We we now have relationships with such a lot of people that. But- we can't take on more files at the minute because I need my team bigger, or I need more of them, or I need them better trained in areas. So I'm holding off so customer Service doesn't slip. But, yeah, it's, um, it's staggering where we've coming in a shelter-space of time. Yes, I mean, to, you know, tell us a little bit more of this accountability, and so what does it feel like then in between your coaching sessions? Well, Every, every single business I've ever spoken to, and in action coach I've spoken to now to hundreds of them, um, I'd say that ninety nine percent of them are still swagging their way through the day to day chores and that's what we was doing. So I was the number one PM. So I was I was absolutely dealing with more files, making more fun money than anyone else on the files. Couldn't get my hands up the tools. But by being held accountable and someone saying, Hold on. What are you doing? It took a period, but I slowly pulled back, pulled back, trained someone, pulled back, trained someone, till I got to the stage where I could now be just enough above that, my head just above water, so I could look down and start making strategic decisions. All right, so there'll be there'll be some listeners right now that that are on the tool. Yeah, you know. What bit of advice would you give to them as the sort of first step in getting off the tools? Um, stop believing the bullshit that you know, the only person can do it. It is, I a mean, massive, massive ego trip. We're all the same, and I did it for years. Absolutely convinced that if I took my hand off and wheeled, everything was going to fall apart. It's a lie. It's, it's just, it's something we tell ourselves because it makes ourselves feel important. Yeah, and is there also doubt, hesitation, things to learn? Of course there is. And there's, there's the lack of knowledge. There's the fear of the unknown. Yeah, people love certainty. They want to know that they're doing the same thing day out. Why do you think McDonald's does so well? It does really, really well because it's consistent wherever you go in the world. And people love that consistency. They crave the same surroundings. If they go into the bathroom at work and there's 12 stalls, they go in the same one every time because they like consistency. If you go back in a theatre after, a, a, you know, part-time of a show, they go up to the same seats because you don't want anything unfamiliar here. And that's part of the problem. We, we're sat there working on the tools and all the other stuff's scary. Habit and comfort. Habit and comfort, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and some knowledge gap and some ego, like you've said. So there's interesting ingredients that keep people where they are. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's the money side. So if you're the person, so with myself, I was billing and I was I was building these files. I was doing a lot of commercial work, so I was building very well. And there's that fear: if I'd move away from that, how am I going to fill that gap with money as well? In my case, it was the best thing I could do was get five other people doing what I was doing. So how did you make that first step yourself? Then, I mean, what was it that pushed you to do it? Um. Pure frustration. As I say, when I, when I went to James B initially to start coaching, it's because I knew I'd reached the limit of my current knowledge. I couldn't go any further. Right. And I knew that if I carried on, I would be destined to be working on the tools with a firm which wasn't doing anything. Do you think that's the norm, actually? You know, because you, you're you telling the story there where you reached out to a business coach. Do you think it's like, you get so frustrated, you get to the, the end of your tether to a degree? Yeah. Yeah. And then you reach out. Is that the norm? Actually, I think, I think it's... I think what's frightening is it's not. I think it should be the norm. I think what's really frightening is that right now, there are millions upon millions of business owners in the UK who are in that position and they struggle every day and every day feels stressful. There's never enough hours in the day. There's never enough money in the bag, Yeah. There's too many creditors knocking on the door. They never enough orders, the marketing's rubbish, the sales are rubbish, they don't understand their own finance, and yet they won't reach out. It's back to that ego thing. So, actually, the people who reach out to you are in a the minority. They're the ones who suddenly have that realisation of, got oh, I need to do something more. Well, I suppose there's a second part there, isn't it? Because it took you nine, million, uh, nine years to get to that million. Yeah. So it took you nine years to get to that million. In, yeah. And that was after four years of stagnation, you read it out. Absolutely, yeah. Do you ever do you ever have, I don't want to say moments of regret, I don't really believe too much in them, but do you ever think, oh, if I had reached out earlier? Um, That's So I do a journal every day, okay. right? And quite often, once every few days, my journal pops up and says, "If you could go back in time, what would you do differently?" And I have no, I, I, I no regrets talking about family life and per life like this and then And I've had the same trauma everyone else has. But what I do look at is think, I wish I'd have learned more earlier. I wish I'd have reached out to get the knowledge, because the knowledge that is passed on to us isn't just one person. It's that one person who's read. 2,000 bucks each with 20 years of experience it. are getting thousands of years of experience given to you. That's what's my love about getting someone to work with and hold your accounts to. Does that make sense here? Well, coaching has impacted you a lot, hasn't it? Huge. Fit. Would it? What would you say the biggest areas of impact of been? Knowledge is is in the I love to learn. Yeah. And, and that's really been brought to the forefront. I mean, I only did three books, and while well, I was away, another day book. Three business books. Yeah, well, so I did The Way of Peaceful Worry again. Look, yeah. That book is just a really good positive one. I Am Enough, um, which is great. Uh, Maurice Peer, yep. Uh, and then um, The Advantage. Oh, and it. Yeah, which is Ken. And so i would love to learn. And that's brought on my knowledge, and I love to attend all the sessions, and I love to understand business. I do like all them bits. and back to that, you know my five things I break down to, I've got a great understanding of all them. but the biggest benefit to me was mindset, and that's something which is often overlooked. and I don't think um, don't think even James Burke knows what an impact is made in that arena. What areas would you, a mindset if you to distill it down if you can say actually these are the these are the key things um so it's it's the ability to make decisions faster it's remaining positive in situations it's working with people to understand that business can be tough um and it is it's becoming a happier person. Uh, due to the learnings of everything else, I am absolutely zen as you like. So, it realises, really given give me. Well, when I took on my uh, executive assistant, Jane, she came in, and I, on the first day I said to her, listen, said, you'll discover, don't really do stress. If you ever see me stressed, you need to worry. <laughs> you Because know, it doesn't happen. And it's true, i do done, I used to be stressed out of my box in 2019 i was absolutely at the end of my tether i really felt like the business was failing everything was falling apart I, there was never enough hours in the day and um, and i've realized now that things happen and come and go in business and they do you know you'll get a letter in or something much push off kelter, or you'll have a bad few months and we've had a bad few months this year we knew about it we knew there was a change in the budget it affects house prices we have a bad period well at no stage of a wavered. I've just gone, okay, let's look at the numbers. Worked it out and gone, that's fine, we'll suffer for a few months and by August we'll be making money again. Guess what, we're making money again. That mindset really helps and it keeps you happy. And and surely it smiles are the uh, currency of life, really. Uh, you know, I've met a note of a couple of things you said there about making decisions faster. You know, just talk us through that then. So one of the impacts on your mindset was you were able to make decisions faster. Why? How? Um I guess it was cumulative. There were so many sessions, 90-day planning, the members' days, the one-to-one sessions, the, all the webinars I've done. Um, I started to realize I'm surrounded by people, and the ones who are really growing and going places with the business. They don't procrastinate. You know, there's a decision to be made. It's just a decision. It's not right or wrong. It's just something that needs. It's left or ride in the road. If you can make that decision faster, you're still going to get to your destination quicker than someone who gets to a crossroads and sits there for two years. And were you doing that before coaching? No. Oh, were you doing the procrastination? Talk about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I really had the belief of just you know it'll come right and it comes right. Well, it doesn't. That's like denial, isn't it? It's optimistic version of denial. Is yeah. And that was that was one of the big changes because I. My natural bend when we first started was super high eye. Um she's very I'll let you explain explaining, but you know, flung by a little bit overly optimistic and all that. And and what I've discovered is it was flagged and over a period of probably a year, eighteen months, I changed my business style to hide it. So you went from being friendly, sociable, optimistic, people related to very direct tiny oil yeah. I'm busy. I see, you. And that that's the thing to make a decision, make it quickly. And then a good example is I got to start of twenty one. We realised we needed to outsource some of our work. Um so I made the decision in January. By February I'd gone to South Africa where I had uh, an employee anyhow. And in the space of four days, interviewed, recruited three people, built an entire office, took on the lease of the office, negotiated the terms of that, and got the lease in place, set up a bank account, set up a company, built the company, built it in, all in four days and came back with a fully functioning team in South Africa. And that was just because, clearly you move quick and get stuff done? surprising what you get through. Did you go through some planning before you got out? Oh, I mean, that amazing little tight story you just told there. What what was the level of planning before you went out there? Um, the the level of planning was simply a more a case of saying, This is where I need to get to. Yeah. And then speaking to the one person I'd over our leader. So you knew the outcome you wanted. Knew the outcome I wanted. You were ready to make decisions fast. Yeah. you were ready to invest. Yeah. You went over had conversations and made it made deals happen in four days. Yeah, yeah. And how's he going now? In South Africa, so there uh, it does well. We've got a, a team there. Um, we have our office there, our previous office. We've they, they persuaded us to leave by paying us off, but it was beautiful. It overlooked a cheap to sanctuary and it was like an old plantation building. An excuse to get out there, for- mm. uh, yeah. But it's horrible weather at the minute, right? We need to leave till the end of the year. So maybe October, November, I'll, I'll knit back to see how things are going. Right, okay. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world, and the team work really, really hard. They knuckled down. There's no language barrier. And, and with modern technology. let's When your teams call somebody, it doesn't matter where they are in the world. So, I, I made note of this when you said it. Make a decision, make it quickly. Is that, is that one of your philosophies? And I think it's just part of the way I am now. So I'm not a, It's not philosophy. It's just if I come across a decision, if it's something which is a quick, a quick win, I want to go and get it done, get it off of my desk to fast to I can. It frees up so much time in your day, you not sat there, 100 things. Look, decisiveness, there's no doubt. It's really, I mean, I mean, it's what you've talked about really for the last five or 10 minutes. And it, it, as. Was it, there's two there's a few things he mentioned. The second area he said actually one other area of mindset is becoming a happier person. I'm a yeah. happier person. Yeah. Well made someone a happy person. Yeah. How do you how do you how how have you got that? How have I got to become a happier person? Oh God without sounding Jesus started with a marble. So um That he was a story I read on quite a long time ago. And it was a story about the chap who had a really bad health scare. And when he did, he came back and thought, what have I actually done with my life? What have I done with my weekends with my family? So he had a look at it and thought, I've actually got about 1,400 days and weekend days left in my life. So he went out, he buys a huge bag of marbles, 1,400 of them, pops them in a great big bowl, pops in a ball, and every Debbie he gets up on a weekend and picks up a marble. He has a little look at this beautiful marble, is glistening. it's glistening, it's full of promise. And then he throws it away because it's a resource you're giving up. And that story really resonated with me. I mean, it, everyone has a story of shakes a death, it's the best real nice. Um, and what was funny about it is, again, why it moves things in my brain, it kind of is almost there. but I haven't really acknowledged it. So I was thinking about it. I was in the office and I was with uh, a lady called Leslie, one of my former team members. She suddenly passed away. And I passed her marble. Because she's going through a really bad time. And I went, you know what? And I told her the same story. And at the time, she said, you're a right dickhead. <laughs> she looked at it. She was really down to earth. she was from like And she gets this marble. And right, she plonks on the desk. I thought, nothing of it. Anyhow, um... In 2019, true to this, we came in and we'd not really been down in the basement, which is where Leslie used to work. But we needed to clean up an office, so we got cleaning up all this office. And we opened the drawer, and there, nestled next to the pictures of her sons and David Beckham and various other things, which was precious to Leslie, by this time, past well, the wedding, was this bloody marble. And despite the comment, she kept it all this time, and to this day. I always have marble in my pocket. Amazing. I mean, it's, just, it's just a reminder, sentiment, memories in the morning, and just reminding yourself that to take joy out of every single day because it is eat. Yeah. I mean, some people might look at that negatively and, yeah, you know, I've only got this amount to it, but it does make you grateful and respectful and sees the immortals. Of course cool, you know, as I say, if if you knew that the world was going to end tomorrow, who would you want to ring and tell me, love, what would you want to do? And as soon as you have that realization that, you know, tomorrow's not necessarily granted, take advantage of it. And and that was part of it. You know, it really was part of me becoming much more zen in, in business because if I go in and it seems like it's a bad day, really a bad day, it's just a couple of bad things that are happening at that moment. Deal with them and move on. You know my dad said to me once. This is, yeah, I'm having a great day. I said this I said to me like, ah, yeah, wherever. I'm having a great day. you chance. Every day in we've Cup is a great day. True story. Yeah. <laughs> Every in Wake got is a great day. With, yeah. Go for it. All right. Um. Business growth. Then let's talk the about management. Let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about entrepreneurship because you are quite an entrepreneur these days, but let's go through management first. What were some of the biggest lessons you had on, you know, when you were getting off the tools in management specific? Okay. Um, the big learnings are the obvious ones that people don't do. We'll write everything down. The first thing you need to do um, before you can have a business grow is understand the functions. So for me, it was writing down the process. And it was the full process from understanding end-to-end process, end-to-end, where did the files come from? That's great. Okay, have got them, list of clients. Where did they come into our system? What email did they come to? Who then reads that email? Yeah, what happens if that person's off? It's all of these safeguards and stuff. So the first thing I needed to do to get off the tools was understand my role. And I've just actually redone it again because... I have actually just employed an MD to take over my role. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, some people say employer, CEO, and MD, same thing, different uh But what was vital at that time when I first came off was understand what I did and then find out how I could make that happen without it just being me. And that, like I said, again, James Old and Burke will testify to this from 19 to 20, nine, 19. 2019 to 2020, I wasn't just on the tools. I really did wear my and on the outside and wear a cloak. I thought, everything had to be fixed by me. Give up some of that as well. That's the next thing. So write everything down. Find out what you do. And when you do, and you actually do it, uh, for me, every six months-ish, I do this as standard now. I'll literally just open up a chart in 30-minute slots. I'm going to start my day and every 30 minutes I write down what I've been doing. Yeah. And it's funny because the last time I did that, I looked at that and I bet there was five minutes, 50 minutes in a day where I've been. How oh, important is it that you do that? To me, really? absolutely vital. So hey, To anyone else who's, who's not productive, just as vital. So when you do that, yeah. what happens following it for you? Um, On the last one, not much. Because it's taken me all these years to get to the stage where I finished today and realised I was quite productive. Right, okay, but when I started it, you've got to be a little bit brutal with yourself and admit that. You end, you end up, with for self-reflection, you end up delegating a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Like you end up becoming really aware of what you're actually doing. Oh, and i and, and here's the great thing, when you're running a team as well, suddenly you start seeing the same things in everyone else. And that's where it becomes truly valuable. When I clubbed with one of my senior lawyers and thought, he's at the photocopier, no problem. When he was at the photocopier 30 minutes later as a senior lawyer, I'm thinking, what's gone wrong? You know, and this is what's great about being your time management, finding, off the, uh, firing, finding out the stuff. that is he's not making money, not productive, not helpful to anyone. He's just a mundane, basic job. I had admin people in the office. Why was it one of them still with the copy? Well, he carried on doing legal work and billed for people. Write down, systemize it. You, and just on this MD thing, you know, because that's another mind shift, isn't it? And did you go for anything, like, recruiting MD? Was it an exciting process? Have yeah, you having to like, go of anything? and you experiencing some anxiety? Um, I did, when I started this. I really feel that I've recruited the right person, though. How long did it take you to recruit? I don't know. If, um, the conversations started probably February this year. Right, so this is like a six-month period. Yeah, but I'd known this person longer, and this had been in the back of my mind for a good year to, if not longer, before that. So probably 18 months in total. I was thinking, wow. So the whole transition, there's a, a year of deliberating it, reflecting on it, get, gather, getting your ducks in a row. This flies in the face of make decisions quickly, but I will explain why. We wasn't ready to have an Andy. Okay? Yeah, so when this first thought started, all the other decisions needed to be made. I needed to make sure all the other functions were up, running, sorted. Um, and I had, I was, I was very carefully selected a couple of key heads, so my marketing and sales person, absolutely outstanding. Then he goes to operations, absolutely outstanding. And then we've got the team, we've got the finance team in place and everything else, and it's boom, boom, boom. So once all that was in place, I was then more able to start working towards um, getting the business in a position to support the Sunday. Because the thing is is I don't want to take any, any loss of salary for not being there. You see, I don't think that flies in the face of Making decisions quickly. I think that's preparation. I think that's some things do take time. You, you know, know uh, it, it's not real that oh yeah, I'm just going to start getting and get in the and the rain. You know, two weeks later, it, it, it's, that's not the case. You might be able to do that. You know, on some entry level, you can yeah, And that's the thing because what that person's got to do as well is reflect, mirror, deal with, embrace the culture that you've created. Because otherwise, you, you're laying a fox in the henhouse. Because you could get someone who comes in, and they could be, they could be technically brilliant. Yeah, they do. But if they don't understand people at all, and you've got a team who's been, you what you've been doing all of that six months, you've been so progressively understanding the culture. Um, getting getting. So I'm, we worked on our culture quite extensively, and we did it as part of uh, employee satisfaction. The team were unhappy until 21. We needed to get them back on track. So we really work with the team to make it a good environment. They created their own culture, um, or we created it together. So what was important was knowing that that person could understand that culture and work within Mm -hmm. him and make sure that people are nurtured and that we have really candid feedback. I mean, our management meetings are like a food fight. There's no holes barred, but we get a lot done. Yeah, you know? And it's having that yin and yang of being able to be firm and have proper uncomfortable conversations but also nurture give them on the hub when they need it so yeah that's why i took that time i love that analogy you know folks in the hen house yeah. Yeah. all right leadership let's go there what have been some major lessons in leadership and the big the biggest lesson is don't bullshit people and by that if you're working with someone and you're, you're trying to lead and you're trying to inspire someone, don't lie. Don't say, it will be great if we do this. Give give them something clear and say, um, so I'll use Stacey as an example. Stacey is absolutely superb at what she does, but she wants to learn more. I'd agree to help developer. Make sure you stick to it, because if you breach that trust with your team, in leadership, if you say to someone you're going to help them with something and then you don't, or you say you're going to do something and, you know, a million things get in the way, or you even some them as a one-to-one saying, let's have you one-to-one on Monday, and then Monday comes out, I'm busy, let's have it on Tuesday. You're breaching, eroding the trust. So do what you say you're going to do. And that's, that's one of the things with leadership. You'll learn is if you ask a question of your team, when you listen real listen. So listen get your pen out and write it down I walk into every meeting with a notepad myself and when the team asks something I'll write it down Really good. I like how you just to into the well you give two analogies, of, well two examples of do bullshit people, see what you're going to do and listen and real listen it right down give people the attention. Nice so let's go to entrepreneurship then are you an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I would that. <laughs> so, what, what are your lessons in entrepreneurship? Um, if you're an entrepreneur, stop putting factors on yourself. Enjoy it. The, the whole purpose of being an entrepreneur is to enjoy the ride, it's to, it's to enjoy the excitement of doing something new, something, and bringing more skills, learning new things. An entrepreneur flies in the face of that person who loves the warm comfort of the same slippers and the same toilet style. They're the ones who might to disrupt the status quo in my mind. They're the ones who want to get out there and party because it's Wednesday. And I love that. That's what I love about being an entrepreneur is that um, when I stopped working on the tools, I realized that was there. That's why when we acquired another law firm, we acquired it in a matter of weeks. The one after it was 10 days. We acquired their entire complaint department in 10 days. This is a, a, a national law firm, and we took their complaint into it. I, I, I do want to talk about that. I mean, what mind shift did you go through to, to get into acquisition mindset? Because a lot of people think they've all got to grow organically. No, it was quite the opposite. He was, if I'm honest, it's because I'm 51. My have great skin, but I'm 51 what I wanted to do. And so I have 51 employees. I've seen too since I think No. And yeah, what I wanted to do was uh, I wanted a yacht. I wanted the trappings of it. As it happens, the more money I make, the less inclined I am to buy things. But um, I realised that time was against me. And I have seen so many lawyers in particular. Who get to 60, 65, 70, they're working in a law firm and they sat there in the same little firm they're doing. They take him a, a mediocre salary at best. And they they basically have, have spent the time getting to that stage and he might be a brilliant lawyer. But kind organic of growth isn't going to get them any further on. Kind organic of growth tends to be that you might take on two people and then you lose one of them. One will stay for six months, and then another member of your staff will leave. And you end up just staying the same. Um, And it was that realization. It was 2020. I sat there and looked at the growth needed to to achieve my dreams and realized that Organic was never going to cut it. If I didn't acquire, it wasn't going to happen. And that's what changed. And we went literally from eight people not in, in probably 14 and it was about 12 people when I started working James Burke. And then, and then, you know, over this period of between then and 22 got to 42 people at that stage. So, yeah. Yeah, acquisition way forward. And it comes with its own risks and its own challenges. But the rewards really do outweigh them. There you go. Well, I've some quick, quick fire questions for you. Go for it. What's your favourite book? Um, Shoe Dog, Phil Knight. Why? I really love the fact that In The book he's humble enough to admit all of the adversity that he went through. And it was, this is the founder and owner of Knight. And literally, of his 30-year journey, 29 years of it, was absolute crap. And he works and worked his way through it. And he's so inspirational in that sense. Is that on your Hall Fame shelf? Um, there's a few there, but yeah, that's, it, Ed, that's a great book. Um, the Advantage is a good book. I've just finished five dysfunctions of the team. I must have read that fight six times. Um, my big sort of business crush is King Scott, Radical Camden, In yeah. just read that and just think, what a way to work with your team. But nonetheless, you know, it's your favourite. That's my favourite. That's the one which came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Wish it movie. I'm a child. Avengers. Oh, the Avengers. Come on. Yeah. Who's the best character? Um, Hulk, because it reminds me. of how he used to be. Yeah, that, uh, back, 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 But yeah, were you were you like Hulk? So you're not you. You're a blend of Clooney. Yeah. and Hulk. Well, you know, I, would, I wonder if Mike's is going to be able to like make some kind of kind of of that. There they went. I- with a man with the size ears of mine, I avoid caricatures. I can assure. I don't. Yeah, not really. I don't. all that. It's not know. place. No, no i not with the <laughs> uh, Yeah. The The Avengers was there because I used to watch films, and and I still do watch the film, but I'll watch them as my switch off. Yeah, I don't do much. So, and Fiona and I, my wife, um, don't actually watch much TV. So, I'll, I I I watch the Avengers. I watch. Yeah, you know, you know Gallen is of the galaxy. Yeah, the soundtrack, too. So, I, I watched the third one; not nobody as good as the other ones. But uh, yeah, I've watched that again now, and about uh, Rocket. Yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed it the second time around. So, so well, you were really been a real sort of Marvel gig then, because that's literally an come out You've watched it twice already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's cover trouble about as so, well so, so there's always a, you've always got planes and stuff on yourself. Yeah, all right. Favorite holiday destination? My hey, God. You loved Italy, don't you? I do, I do. Um, why Lake Adda? It's it's the atmosphere, the people, the food, the climate. It's it's got a really good mix. Northern Italy like that is is completely different to Southern Italy. Yeah, you know, and it's it's just such a beautiful place. I got it there two weeks ago, probably a bit less than that, and was on a boat. Uh, you've seen everywhere in the last two weeks so <laughs> I've done 11 countries so yeah, yeah. 11 countries in two weeks in about 80 days alright three three uh, three weeks oh two and a half weeks but a week before that I had to work and the week before that I was away in Mallorca so it's, it's not all bad nice nice alright superpower you can have one any superpower you want what are you going to choose knowledge Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's in keeping with the rest of this discussion, isn't it? I think I think with enough knowledge you can do anything. You can help as many people as you like. Knowledge to help as many people as possible. Are you an early bird or night owl? Early bird. How early? Well, not that early. 6, 6.30. Have you always been like that? Pretty much ran a paper round from being 13 year old and I had to get up until, until you had until I was about 20. I think not have So I used spy up there when I'm like, he's the, old, the oldest, the oldest guy I've been in. until I was 60. Right. And, and, and actually that did own a agents. And, and unfortunately, I didn't just do mine because every time someone didn't turn up, I had to do their round as well. And I hope. I've always been someone who rose early and just got on with the day. If you could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose? I'd love to spend a day in the life of someone like Richard Branson. Or, oh, yeah, know, basically oh, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Oh, one of them, one of these great business leaders really get a feel for what happens in their day. See how they run things, see how focused they are on the job. Nice. So for focus to see how they run things in the job. Nice, nice. Good answer. Who've been the three biggest trusted advisors in your life? Fiona, the wife. Uh James Burks. And then my parents collected with. Nice. What did you do? what do you get from Fiona? Um Fiona and I this this Fantastic relationship. We're really kind of in sync. But what's great is Fiona's also on a business journey. And Fiona will comment if I'm working on something and she thinks it can be improved, she will say, Well, don't have you considered. So she will give me business advice and I will listen to it. And vice versa, I help her with this. So it's that. And it's, it's that knowing there's someone there who's always in your corner. It's a day to scooch that people, and you can't. And uh, Jeb's Berg, then, what do you get from Jeb's? Accountability, knowledge, passion, a lot of laughs. You know, it's um, inspiration. That's your business coach. And, and your parents, then what do you get from your parents? It's my family. My dad um, was the first entrepreneur, really. He was the one who had a chip shop. Made it profitable, and the news agents have made it profitable when there wasn't pie, let say. Did you work in chip No, in the gym, no, I was on a baby. And I still love chips. And, and do you have anything to reach it? Besides, salt already a uh, carousel. started take started, it. You see, it's like an aphrodisiac. You put some solid heat behind your ears shit, and it's all over. So conducive with No, it's not. I had not But no, my dad, I am... Um, set up businesses, and he understood business. And when I looked back, it was weird, because when I was about 20, I was clearing out the loft in the house for, well, I wasn't real, I was just rooting around from the find things. and I found the set of books from 1971 in the chip shop, and he made £21,000 profit in 1971 in the chip shop. And I don't really know what that works out, of, but that's bloody good money. It is. You know, when you think a house at that time was about three grand, So yeah, it was uh So imagine earning right now enough to to buy seven houses. Yeah. In a year. Um and then he, he's even then when he went back into cause a really skilled engineer, he must have that, that the best fishing chips in the northern energy. Um even now I look back and as a child remember that there was a queue all the way around the shop and out the front every single day it was open. They're crazy. And he just be dad understood. I and mean, my mum we'll worked with him on that as well. I mean, my mum's a really intelligent person. Uh, and this is why I put them both together. So my mum and dad thought the laugh. They know how to work. Um, and they just, they just don't slow down. And they just be really great at kind of keeping things together and having a common sense approach to things and fixing things. So when my dad went back into engineering, he then started a the market stall, doing hardware stuff on Older Market on me on Saturdays. And that's what he did. You were supporting four young lads and my mum was working as well, but they had to do that. That's what people did and made it work. Fascinating, fascinating. Alright, two more questions. Um, what's the first thing that people should do in your advice after listening to this? Take, take 30 minutes. Sit down in a quiet place. And just ask yourself where do I want to be? Think about that. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down because that's your first step. Because if you don't know where you're going, we have no chance of getting there. And then the second thing is once you finish that 30 minutes, whatever you decided to do, make a decision and take action there and then. No, no, put it off. Make an action right now. Beautiful. You know what, so many bits of my, there's so many bits that contest for my favourite part today. Love the bit on your parents there, 21,000. Love the bits on making decisions faster, becoming a happier person, how you distilled them two points about leadership. Don't bullshit people, see what you're going to do, listen to them, show that you're listening to them and write it down. I think I'm going to go for... 21,000, I mean, you're, 1971. Yeah. Take your inspiration from that. Three, three trusted advisors in your line. That's your challenge, enough to buy eight houses in a year. <laughs> I reckon we'll uh, I, I think that at that, that point, along with them, make decisions faster, become a happier person. Yeah. They're my favourite pitch. What's been your favourite part today? Do you know what I it has been... A wonderful gallop through what's gone on over the last few years, and genuinely, it's nothing I've even thought about until you ask these questions. So it's been really nice to ever think about how far we've come. You know, that's that's the beauty of this. We've gone from there to there, and it's it's been so great. And what what's brilliant is there's no limit now. You know, I can just see it going and going and going and going. Gabby yeah, Wall. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate it.